lorenzo de medici rules in florence by oliphant smeaton this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. reading by matt Perard. lorenzo de medici rules in florence zenith of florentine glory a d fourteen sixty nine by oliphant smeaton during the twelfth century several of the italian cities especially florence and venice rose to great wealth and power venice through her favorable situation became preeminent in commerce while florence was coming to be the most important industrial centre of europe in the thirteenth century florence was the scene of continual strife between the gulfs and the ghibellines but she not only continued to develop in material prosperity but also attained to intellectual activities whereby in the next century she gained a higher distinction she took the foremost part in the renaissance and was the birthplace or the home of dante boccaccio and other leaders of the modern movement in the fifteenth century florence reached a still loftier eminence under the medici a family celebrated for the statesman which it produced and for its patronage of letters and art its most illustrious members were cosmo thirteen eighty nine to fourteen sixty four and his grandson lorenzo surnamed the magnificent lorenzo was born january first fourteen forty nine when the second great period of the renaissance was nearing its close that was the period of arrangement and translation the epoch of the formation of the great italian libraries the age when in florence around his grandfather cosmo in rome around pope nicholas v and in naples around alfonso the magnanimous coteries of the leading humanists were gathered engaged in labors which have made posterity eternally their debtors conjointly with his younger brother giuliano lorenzo on the death of his father piero in fourteen sixty nine succeeded to the vast wealth and political power of the family in fourteen seventy eight the death of giuliano left lorenzo sole ruler of florence to few men has either the power or the opportunity been given to influence their epoch intellectually and politically to a degree so marked as was the lot of lorenzo de medici one of the most marvelously many-sided of the many-sided men who adorned the italy of the fifteenth century he did more to place florence in the forefront of the world's culture than any other citizen who claimed val di arno as his birthplace his influence was great because he was in sympathy so catholic with all the varied life of his age and circle while during the one hour he would be found learnedly discussing the rival claims of the platonic and aristotelian philosophers with piscino and landino the next might witness him the foremost reveller in the florentine carnival crowned with flowers and with the wine-cup in his hand gaily caroling the ballad he had composed for the occasion while the third might behold him surrounded by the leading painters and sculptors of tuscany discoursing profoundly on the aims and mission of art 
truly a unique personality at one and the same time the glorious creation and the splendid epitome of the spirit of the renaissance when lorenzo de medici consented to assume the position occupied by his father piero and his grandfather cosmo he was not the raw youth his immature years would lead one to suppose although intellectual maturity is reached at an earlier age in the sunny south than in the fog-haunted lands of northern europe lorenzo had enjoyed a long apprenticeship before being called to undertake the duties devolving on him as the uncrowned king of florence from his thirteenth year he had been the companion and shared the counsels first of his grandfather and father and subsequently of his father alone from the former especially he learned many important lessons in statecraft the matter is open to question however if any advice had more far-reaching results or was laid more carefully to heart than this which is contained in more than one of cosmo's letters Quote, never stint your favors to the cause of learning and cultivate sedulously the friendship of scholars and humanists unquote. towards such a course lorenzo's inclinations as well as his interests pointed and during his life florence was the athens not only of italy but of europe as a whole here among many others were to be found such epoch makers as poliziano piccino and landino pico della Mirandola, leo battista alberti michelangelo luigi pozzi men who glorified their age by crowning it with the nimbus of their genius the literary and artistic greatness of florence was not due however to the comparative intellectual poverty of the other states in italy florence was only primus inter pares greatest among many that were great when the fact is recalled that such contemporaries as pomponius Letus, Bartolomeo Sacchi, Molza, Alessandro Farnese, Paul III, Platina, Sabellicus at Rome, Pontinus, Sanazzaro, and Porcello in Naples, and Pomponasso and Boiardo at Ferrara were then at or nearing their prime. The position of Florence as the acknowledged center of European culture was conceded by sense of right alone then this nothing proves more emphatically the strides learning had been making it was no longer the prerogative of the few but the privilege of the many from the first lorenzo recognized what a strong card he held in the affection and respect of the italian as well as of the florentine humanists the great secret of lorenzo's preeminence in european and italian as well as in tuscan politics lies in the fact that he was able to unite the sources of administrative legislative and judicial power in himself all the public offices in florence were held by his dependents and so entirely was the state machinery controlled by him that we find such men as louis eleven and the emperor maximilian alfonso of naples and pope innocent the eighth recognizing his authority and appealing to him personally in place of to the seigneury to effect the ends they desired such power enabled him to avoid the risks his grandfather cosmo had been compelled to run to maintain his authority 
the medicean faction was better in hand than in his grandfather's days and lorenzo therefore in playing the role of the peacemaker of italy at the time when he held the balance of power through his treaties with milan naples and ferrara could speak with a decision that carried weight when he found it necessary to threaten a restless despot with a political combination that might depose him lorenzo's services to learning were inspired by feelings infinitely more noble than those actuating his political plans a patriotism as lofty as it was beneficent led him to desire that his country should be in the van of italian progress and renaissance studies his sagacious provision enabled him to proportion the nature and extent of the benefit he conferred to the need it was intended to supply many statesmen do more harm than good by failing to appreciate this law of supply and demand they grant more than is required and that which should have been a boon becomes a burden charles v at the time of the reformation on more than one occasion committed this error as also did wolsey and mazarin lorenzo like richelieu recognized the value of moderation in giving and caused every favor to be regarded as a possible earnest of others to come the earlier years of his power were associated with many stirring events which exercised no inconsiderable influence on the state of learning for example his skilful playing off of duke galezzo maria sforza of milan against ferranti king of naples led to greater attention being directed by the florentines to neapolitan and milanese affairs with the result that humanists and artists from both these places paid frequent visits to florence where they were welcomed by lorenzo as his guests then when the revolt of the small city of volterra from florentine rule was suppressed by lorenzo's agents with a rigorous severity that cast a stain on their master's name owing to many unoffending scholars having suffered to the extent of losing their all lorenzo made noble amends not only did he generously assist the inhabitants to repair their losses not only did he make grants to the local scholars and send them copies of many of the codices in his own library to supply the loss of their books which had been burned by the soldiery but he purchased large estates in the neighborhood that the citizens might benefit by his residence among them in this way too he brought the volterran scholars into more intimate relations with the florentine humanists and thus contributed to the further diffusion of the benefits of the renaissance all was not plain sailing however as regards the progress of the new learning despite his efforts lorenzo could not prevent its development being checked during the papal neapolitan quarrel with florence that war originated in a dispute with pope sixtus iv who kept italy in a ferment during the whole duration of his pontificate fourteen seventy one to fourteen eighty four were no other proof forthcoming of lorenzo's marvellous diplomatic genius than this one fact that he checkmated the political schemes of sixtus and finally so neutralized his influence as to render him well-nigh impotent for evil-doing such an achievement was sufficient 
to stamp him one of the greatest masters of statecraft europe has known in any estimate of his ability we must take into account the unsatisfactory character of many of the instruments wherewith he had to achieve his purposes and also the fact that he had neither a great army at his back with which to enforce the fulfilment of treaty obligations for florence never was a city of soldiers nor had he the prestige of an official position to lend weight to his words to all intents and purposes he was a private citizen of the florentine republic yet such was the dynamic power of the man's marvellous personality and yet the reputation he had earned even in his early years for supreme prescience and far-reaching diplomatic subtlety that far and wide he was regarded as the greatest force in italian politics sixtus sallied forth to crush he returned to the vatican a crushed and discredited man to die of sheer chagrin over his defeat by lorenzo in his designs upon ferrara then followed the memorable dispute in fourteen seventy two to fourteen seventy three over the bishopric of pizza when the pope's nominee francesco salviati was refused possession of the see pisa being one of the tuscan towns under the control of florence to this sixtus retaliated by seeking the friendship of ferranti of naples a move lorenzo anticipated by forming the league between florence milan and venice this league thoroughly alarmed both the pope and ferranti and on the latter visiting rome in fourteen seventy five a papal neapolitan alliance was formed even then hostilities might not have broken out had the young duke of milan not been assassinated in fourteen seventy six leaving an infant heir this entailed a long minority with all its dangers and the apprehensions regarding these were not fanciful inasmuch as lodovico sforza uncle of the baby duke usurped the position under pretext of acting as regent these crimes were plainly responsible for the pazzi conspiracy in fourteen seventy eight against the medici themselves a conspiracy which resulted in giuliano the younger brother of lorenzo being murdered in the cathedral during mass on the sunday before ascension while lorenzo himself was slightly wounded that sixtus and his nephew were accessories before the fact is now regarded as unquestionable the vengeance taken by the enraged florentines on the conspirators their relatives friends and property was terrible the innocent alas being sacrificed indiscriminately with the guilty the archbishop of pisa francesco salviati had entered eagerly into the scheme and although his sacred office prevented him from actually assisting in the deed he was present in the cathedral until the signal was given for the perpetration of the deed when he left the building to secure the palazzo publico he was therefore summarily hanged with the others from the windows of the civic buildings sixtus made the execution or the murder as he called it of salviati his pretext for calling on his allies to make war on florence when he saw however that this action was only throwing the city more completely than ever into the arms of the medici he changed his tactics and said he had no quarrel with quote, his 
well-beloved children of florence unquote, but only with quote, that son of iniquity and child of perdition lorenzo de medici unquote, and those who had aided and abetted him among whom the humanists were expressly mentioned against lorenzo and his associates a brief of excommunication was launched and the city was urged to regain the papal favor by surrendering the offenders the result might have been predicted the brief only tended to knit the bonds of association closer between lorenzo and the city of the flower while the humanists to a man rallied round their patron even the choleric philelfo now a very old man who had been on anything but friendly terms with the medici addressed two bitter satires to sixtus in which the pope was styled the real aggressor while the great humanist offered to write a history of the whole transaction that posterity might know the true facts the only power which gave its adhesion to sixtus was naples while venice ferrara and milan declared for florence thus commenced that tedious war which not only ruined so many florentine merchants but retarded the cause of learning so materially when the people were groaning under heavy taxes when all coin which lorenzo could scrape together had to be poured out to pay the condottieri or soldiers of fortune by whom the battles of florence were fought there was of course but short comments for the humanists who had made florence their home many of those adapted themselves to circumstances but others to whom money was their god left the banks of the arno for those southern cities where the pinch of scarcity did not prevail in this campaign the florentines gained but little prestige the larger share of the cost was quietly suffered by their allies to fall on the city of bankers the milanese were occupied with their own affairs owing to the coup d'etat accomplished by lodovico sforza the duke of ferrara withdrew owing to some disagreement with the condottieri engaged by lorenzo the venetians only dispatched a small contingent under carlo montone and de febo de anguillari accordingly in the end the whole burden of the struggle fell on florence the magnificos position gradually became precarious inasmuch as many persons declared the war to be in reality a personal quarrel between pope sixtus and the medici complaints began to be heard that the public treasury was exhausted and the commerce of the city ruined while the citizens were burdened with oppressive taxes lorenzo had the mortification of being told that sufficient blood had been shed and that it would be expedient for him rather to devise some means of effecting a peace than of making further preparations for the war in these circumstances and confronted by one of the most dangerous crises of his whole life lorenzo rose to the occasion and effected a solution of the difficulty by daring to perform what was undoubtedly one of the bravest acts ever achieved by a diplomatist by some statesmen it might be condemned as foolhardy by others as quixotic its very foolhardiness and, and quixotry fascinated the man it was intended to influence the bloodthirsty cruel and pitiless ferranti of naples who was restrained from crime by the fear neither of god nor man and who had actually slain the cognitaire piccinino 
when he visited him under a safe conduct from the monarch's best ally but the renaissance annals are filled with the records of men and women whose natures are marvellous studies of contrasted and contradictory traits such was the neapolitan tyrant while a monster in much he had his vulnerable points he was ambitious to pose as a friend of the new learning and he knew that lorenzo was not only the most munificent patron but also one of the most illustrious exponents of the renaissance principles although his enemy ferranti received lorenzo with every demonstration of respect and satisfaction he lost sight of the hostile diplomatist in the great humanist two neapolitan galleys were sent to conduct him to naples and he was welcomed on landing with much pomp never did lorenzo's supreme diplomatic genius never did his versatile powers as a statesman as a scholar as a patron of letters and as a brilliant man of the world blaze forth in more splendid effulgence than during his three months stay in naples though opposed by all the papal authority and resources though sixtus by turns threatened cajoled entreated promised in order to prevent lorenzo having any success the successor of st peter was beaten all along the line and the magnifical carried away with him a treaty signed and sealed which practically meant that henceforth naples and the papacy would be in antagonistic camps it was the renaissance card which won the trick with startling boldness yet with consummate art lorenzo played the game of flattering ferranti no ordinary adulation however would have had success with the neapolitan phalaris he was too strong-minded a man for anything of that kind but to be hailed by the great renaissance patron of the period by one also who was himself one of the leading humanists as a brother humanist and a fellow patron of learning was a delicate incense to his vanity which he could not resist he liked to be consulted on matters of literary moment and when he blundered lorenzo was too shrewd a student of human nature to correct him another fact in lorenzo's favor was that he had the warm support not only of the beautiful ippolita maria daughter of cosmo's friend francesco sforza of milan and now wife of alfonso duke of calabria king ferranti's heir as well as don federigo the monarch's younger son who along with ippolita was a friend to the new learning but he also had the whole body of neapolitan humanists on his side scarce one of whom but had experienced in some form or another the medicine bounty such powerful advocacy was not without its influence in bringing about the result while ferranti more and more realized that if the florentine medici were crushed he would have no ally to whom to look for help when the inevitable shuffle of the political cards took place on the death of sixtus in february fourteen eighty therefore lorenzo returned in triumph to florence to be received with rapture by his fellow-citizens had he delayed a few months longer his visit and his admissory cordium appeals would not have been needed in august of that year Kadok ahmed one of the turkish sultans mohammed second ablest generals besieged and took the city of otranto 
in face of the common danger to all italy sixtus was compelled to accept the treaty made by ferrante with lorenzo and a general peace ensued the decade accordingly closed with an absolution for all offences granted by the pope to florence conditional on the tuscan republic contributing its share to the expenses of the military preparations to resist the invasion of the turk notwithstanding the war the progress of the renaissance during the first decade of lorenzo's rule was very marked to the rapid diffusion of printing this was largely due lorenzo had not imbibed the prejudices against the new art entertained by cosmo and federico of montefeltro he looked at the practical not the sentimental side of the question as regards the new invention having seen that the press could throw off in a few days scores of copies of any work of which it took an amanuensis months to produce one also that the scholars of all italy could be furnished almost immediately and at a low price with the text of any manuscript they desired while they had to wait months for a limited number of copies whose cost was well-nigh prohibitive he supported the new invention from the outset having resolved to further his father's efforts to establish printing in florence he stimulated the local goldsmith bernardo cennini to turn his attention to typecasting in metal and even agreed to pay him an annual grant from the year fourteen seventy one until he had fairly settled himself in business nor did he confine his favors to him john of mainz and nicholas of breslau who arrived in florence the former in fourteen seventy two and the latter in fourteen seventy seven also participated in his open-hearted liberality printing struck its roots deep into the tuscan community and flourished excellently though the florentine craft never attained the reputation of the venetian aldi and assolani the gianti of rome the sancini of fano the stefani of paris and froben of basil it had the name for a time at least of being one of the most accurate of all presses to lorenzo it owed this celebrity at an early date he perceived that the new art would be of little value if there were not careful press readers he was therefore among the first to induce scholars of distinction to engage in this task for example he enlisted the aid of cristoforo landino who in his disputationis comodonensis had really inaugurated the science of textual criticism by urging that a careful comparison of the various codices should constitute the preliminary step in any reproduction of the classics landino's work on virgil and horace merits the warmest praise lorenzo also impressed palaziano into the work whose labors in marking the various readings and adding scolia and notes illustrative of the text of catullus propertius ovid etc were of the utmost value to lorenzo and to his younger brother giuliano another great humanist giorgio marula of milan dedicated his plautus published in venice in fourteen seventy two showing at how early an age the magnifico had taken his place among the recognized patrons of the italian renaissance we ought not moreover to omit mention of another achievement of lorenzo though performed in a sphere of effort lying outside of the strict limits of our renaissance survey 
seeing it was the revival of letters however which induced the revival of the cultivation of the vernacular italian literature surely it is not out of place to refer to it here early in life lorenzo became imbued with the conviction that his native tongue was unsurpassed as a medium for quote, the expression of noble thoughts in noble numbers unquote. not only did he encourage others to study dante petrarch and boccaccio but by following out his own precepts he became one of the great italian poets his salve di amore his corinto his ambra his lanencia di barbarino his laude his sonetti his canzoni etc are all poems that live in the italian literature of to-day not as a man ashamed of the vernacular and forced to use it because he can command no better does lorenzo write Quote, he is sure of the justice of his cause and determined by precept and example and by the prestige of his princely rank to bring the literature he loves into repute again but of these poems we cannot here take further note by the scholars of the renaissance such work was looked askance at if they did produce any of these trifles as they were called they almost blushed to own them and were ashamed to communicate them to each other that he dared to be natural says much for lorenzo and it was largely due to his encouragement that cristoforo landino undertook his great work on dante to which we owe so much to-day in conjunction with his patronage of printing there was no line of effort in which lorenzo did more real good than in collecting manuscripts and antiquities and in making them practically public property on this account he is styled by Nico, by nicolo leoncino lorenzo de medici the great patron of learning in this age whose messengers are dispersed through every part of the earth for the purpose of collecting books on every science and who has spared no expense in procuring for your use and that of others who may devote themselves to similar studies the materials necessary for your purpose unquote. the agents he employed travelled through italy greece europe and the east hieronimo donato armaleo barbero and paolo cortese being the names of some of his most trusted commissioners but the coadjutor whose aid he principally relied on to whom he committed the care and arrangement of his vast museum and great library was palaziano who himself made frequent excursions throughout europe asia and northern africa to discover and purchase such remains of antiquity as suited the purpose of his patron another successful agent though at a later date was giovanni lascaris who twice journeyed into the east in search of manuscripts and curios in the second of these he brought back upward of two hundred copies of valuable codices from the monasteries on mount athos to still another service rendered by lorenzo in to the cause of the renaissance attention must be called the founding of the florentine academy for the study of greek this institution distinct be it remembered from the ufficiale dello studio or high school exercised a marvellous influence on the progress of the new learning accordingly as roscoe says 
succeeding scholars have been profuse in their acknowledgments to lorenzo who first formed the establishment from which to use their own classical figure as from the trojan horse so many illustrious champions have sprung and by means of which the knowledge of the greek tongue was extended not only throughout italy but throughout europe as well from all the countries of which numerous pupils flocked to florence pupils who afterward carried the learning they had received to their native lands of this institution the first public professor was joannes agri or gyropolis who having enjoyed the patronage of cosmo and piero and directed the education of lorenzo was selected by the latter as the fifth person to be the earliest occupant of the chair during his tenure of it he sent out such pupils as palazziano donato axia ioli janus pannonius and the famous german humanist rutland argyropolis did not hold the appointment long his death took place at rome in fourteen seventy one and he was succeeded first by theodore of gaza and then by chocondylus palazziano certainly discharged the duties of the office frequently but at first only as locum tenens he was then almost incessantly engaged in travelling for his patron in greece and asia minor and was too valuable a coadjutor to be tied down to the routine of teaching until he had completed his work during the next decade he became the professor and discharged the duties with a genius and an adaptability to circumstances that won for him the admiration and love of all his students End of Lorenzo de' Medici Rules in Florence by Oliphant Smeaton.